Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week's episode is a returning guest. Uh, she is an ultra endurance athlete. She is also a physical therapist. And so like the combination of those two makes her a great guest for this podcast. <laughs> and she's also my cousin. And if you listen to our first episode together, which was episode number seven, I proclaimed that she is the Indiana Jones of my life <laughs> because she was the first person who I knew who also traveled around the world and went on adventures. So I'm talking about my cousin, Susan Knoll. Um, like I said, she's done stage races, ultra marathons. She's currently training for an Ironman coming up in the next few months. And quite frankly, she's just an all-around amazing person. Um, and so on this episode, we talk about the common injuries that runners get and how to kind of manage those injuries, um, how to prevent them bef before they happen, and how to deal with them once they inevitably happen. Because <laughs> if you're a runner, at some point, you're going to get some sort of injury, whether that's soreness or or something more extreme but you're gonna have to be dealing with something so this is like an excellent kind of guide i think we talk about the four most common injuries and by we i mean susan talks about them and i ask a billion questions selfishly for my own knowledge <laughs> And I also, uh, at, at some point in this podcast, we talk about a stage race that she has just finished and she got, she podiumed, which is awesome, at the Carreta de Baja stage race uh, in Mexico. <laughs> I hope I pronounced that right. With an amazing accent. Um, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this one. I hope you learned something from this one because... I know that I learned quite a bit. Um, I didn't really fully understand what a lot of these injuries meant because I haven't dealt with a lot of them, uh, except for like Achilles tendonitis. That was something I was curious about. And quite frankly, I just wanted to talk to her because right before I recorded this podcast, I messed up some part of my knee. So we definitely talk about that and dive into that. But it's, But she's just... An amazing guest because like I said she combines the knowledge of being an athlete a lifelong athlete with the knowledge of you know having years and years experience of being a physical therapist and helping people through various uh, injuries but before we get into that I just wanted to mention this this thing that happened and it made me smile so much because, you know, I started this podcast um, not quite a year ago with the intention of, you know, spreading goodness around the world as best I can in my maybe, you know, minor way. But I feel like the more minor waves you make, the bigger the, the wave will be. And, you know, I've gotten some emails here and there from, from various people saying how just listening to the guests I've had on the podcast have inspired them to go after their own goals. So for example, Jason Suddeth, who was on the podcast about a month ago, he is now signed up for a 50K, which is so awesome. That just brings a smile on my face. I was kind of like, this is why I started the podcast for stories like this, to convince people to do crazy stuff. <laughs> or actually, let's make that sound a little better to help people understand that these quote-unquote crazy events are actually within their reach and that they can actually go out and accomplish them by, you know, taking the correct steps to get to the point where they're able to run 31 miles like Jason will. Um, but I got another email, so this, this made me smile so much. So I've had two guests on um, who are college professors, uh, Jake Reed, who has like a phenomenal beard and more importantly 
is a professor of physiology and exercise science, along with being a sports scientist. So he was on the show. And then the next professor I had on the show was Andy Anderson, which was last week's episode, who had just summited Everest from the north side with his with his cousin John. Now, turns out they both are professors at the same college, University of Northern Iowa. And so after the podcast with Andy, I sent him a, a message just saying like, hey man, one of my best friends who's legitimately one of the top like five nicest people I've ever met in my life, Jake Reed, is a professor or he's in his first year of being a professor at Northern Iowa uh, with you. You should send him an email. You guys should hang out. And last night I got a message from Reed that says that they hung out and he was awesome and they're going to try to like get their families together or something. And like that made my week. That was awesome. So, you know, it's funny. Like it just, it just kind of reminds me that you can, you can spread goodness unintentionally spread goodness and, you know, positive things come from your actions. And if you're going out there with the intention of being a nice, happy person who's trying to, you know, help people or connect people, then chances are you're going, (laughs) you're going to affect people that way. So yeah, do that this week. That would be great. All right. um, Last thing to check out the rest of our episodes, you can find us on any of the devices or apps that have podcasts, just type in like a Bigfoot, or you can go to our website, likeabigfoot.com. Um, I've also tried to step up the social media game a bit. I'm trying my hardest. It's very, it's very, at times it's hard and at times it's super easy. So, uh, <laughs> but I've been posting things on Instagram under the account like a Bigfoot and then on our Facebook group, like a Bigfoot, or sorry, facebook.com slash like a Bigfoot. So yeah, be sure to check those out. I just saw a moose today, put a video of a moose up. So, so there's that to look forward to. (laughs) All right, let's get into the episode. Like a Bigfoot number 45 with Susan Knoll. Enjoy guys. Most people have said yes, which is, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Uh, kind of unexpected. <laughs> so, yeah. And the one with Jason was awesome. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I listened to that one. Yeah. That was awesome. And he's super nice guy, isn't so he? So nice. After we got done talking to Mike, Lindsay, pretty sure we just became best friends. <laughs> 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 no, he is like, he is so down to earth and just such an, I, I figured you guys would hit it off. Yeah, like, super cool. I could see you guys being but bros, yeah, you know, yeah. he's and he's like, kind of into the bro. You saw the bromance thing between the, he and, and Killian. Killian yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, just the guy who climbed Everest twice in the last week? Yeah. No oh, my deal. God. I saw that news. It's like so crazy. Twice. I, he is crazy. I, How I, is, he is not a human, I swear. He's not. I, I really want to meet him at one point and just be in awe. Like, I don't know if I would say anything. I'd just be like... <gasps> I know, right? Have you looked at his website? I was looking on there one time. I have it. Like, he seems super nice and down to earth too. Like, I mean, you might, you could, I mean, you never know. Throw him and like, hey, <laughs> hey man, <laughs> you know? hey, want to be on my? I mean, you never know. Like, even like Dean Karnazes, you know who he is, yeah. right? Yeah, he's super nice too. Like, they're, you know, I think it's good publicity for people too. So they're nice about it. Yeah, I feel like it's the running gene is closely linked to the niceness gene. Yeah. Yeah. I so. Think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So I wanted to have you back on the podcast, uh, mostly because you're a badass, but also <laughs> because you're a physical therapist, and I wanted to learn things. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. Okay. Fire it off. <laughs> All right. Cool. So uh, I kind of got my first injury in. I don't even know how long, like seven years, maybe eight, six or seven years, uh, this wow. weekend when, and it was so dumb. It was, it was just hiking and oh no, I know it. And I was hiking down a mountain and there was still snowpack and it was starting to melt, um, because it was starting, the sun was coming up and, and whatnot. So the snow was starting to melt and I was post holing where your foot sinks down. 
Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And I just, I just took a step going down and it sunk and I shifted my weight and I hyperextended my knee and then oh. I, I fell to the ground and yelled certain profanities <laughs> <laughs> and got up and realized I could walk. But, uh, but yeah, then the next morning I woke up and like the outside of my knee is like yeah. shifting, I guess. I don't know. Oh, it's shifting. Yes. So the outside of your knee. Okay. And it was like, it wasn't swollen. There was no like black and blue or anything, but it just feels weird. If that makes when sense. You, when you say the outside of your knee, you're talking about the outside, meaning like the, there's the medial lateral, like not inside towards your other leg, but outside towards. Okay. No. And or are you when, talking about the back of the knee? So it's not the back. It's like. It's not the kneecap either. It's like down towards where there's a, I, I don't know. These, this is when I reveal that I'm a big dum dum. Is a, <laughs> it's either a ligament or a tendon <laughs> uh, okay. that you can feel on the side of your leg. Um, yeah, on the very outside, on the outside. Yes. Going on outside yeah. of your knee. It's not the ACL or anything. Yeah. We checked that out this morning. To oh, okay, sure. I was going to say. You probably, um, if it's on the outside and it's kind of tender along the joint line, which is like right, the joint line is where the femur meets the tibia. You have a little joint space. You have something called um, the lateral collateral ligament, the LCL. Okay. And it checks um, what's called a varus force. So if you kind of hyperextended and did a little bit of, like if your foot was planted and if your foot was not moving, but your hip was sort of moving inward over that, that would sort of, the ligament's going to check that motion. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't know how to draw that picture necessarily, but if it's tender on the outside, that's kind of a weird one, though. It's not as, usually it's the inside of the knee that gets and I've uh, had that before, injured more easily. Yeah. Yeah, the MCL is more vulnerable, typically. I mean, I've, I've have definitely strained mine. But I think with that kind of like hyperextension, sort of sounds like you plant, if you post hole, I was just visualizing if you're post holing, your foot's going down and you're like all of a sudden kind of stuck, not moving it. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's so you're probably happening. like planted, your tibia is not moving. Maybe it went forward against some earth. Right. And then your femur is moving over that. Yes. So I would, that would be to me an ACL, a little bit of ACL because okay. your tibia was going backwards, your femur moving forward over that. So it's probably a combination. Okay. Multi-ligament. Yeah. It typically the ligaments are the, or the, the ligament is going to check, um, movement of bone on bone movement, like one bone moving on the other. So that's typically going to be more ligament, whereas like tendon problems, you could definitely tear and hurt tendons. Um, and there may be like multi injury in there, but tendon, tendon issues usually come from like, you know, the muscles in an extremely lengthened position, you know, where it's overstretched and now the tendons having is getting like a traction injury on that too. So, but it sounds like your leg was fairly straight. Yes. Right. Yeah. So your muscles were probably tense, but not like overstretched necessarily. Okay. So, um, and especially if it's on the outside. So I would just, what you can do is just monitor it, you know, rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation, but you didn't really have swelling. Right. There was so. a little swelling yesterday, but today I woke up and there's no swelling. Does it feel unstable? It did this morning and now it doesn't as much. Okay. So I would wrap it, give it some compression some, okay. uh, and I can send you a picture of just a general sort of wrapping technique. There's a taping called, it's like a self adhesing. It's adhesive tape. You can just buy it at Walgreens even. Okay. And, um, there's a nice technique to sort of just give your knee stability while just, you want to just protect the ligaments. So they're not getting back in that position of, okay. of that you may have injured, but sounds like a mild to moderate sort of ligament strain basically. Yeah. I'm, so. la I'm laughing. Cause I'm like, I think Susan's just going to think I'm, I just wanted her on the podcast to get free physical <laughs> therapy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I go off. So I, if I just went off on a giant, no. all you really wanted to know was what to do. All right? I want to know is like, what I do to people. They're like, can you just stop telling me? Like, I don't need the esoteric lingo. Just I tell me it, what though. to do. I do love understanding <laughs> it. Yeah. And I also want to make sure like, I'll be okay though. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's that. Just tell me what to do and will I be okay? Can I go run again? Yes, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Can I run the beer relay this weekend? 
Oh, the beer relay? I would wrap your knee because that sounds like you might not be paying much attention to your leg. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. The beer um, relay. I heard it. I remember you actually turned me on to the beer mile. Yeah. And I've never done that. So if anyone from my school that I'm going to teach at is listening, never done the beer mile. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is like some outdoor After festival hours. in Lyons, Colorado, where it's like you get a team and you run a 5K. And then your teammate goes, and then another teammate goes, and you keep doing that for like four or five hours or something. So yeah, oh, awesome. We're not shooting to win. So so why is it called? How does beer enter into the whole equation? So you drink a beer (laughs) and then run the five k, and then your partners go, and then when they get back, whenever your turn is next, you drink another beer and run another five k. So I would definitely wrap your name. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cool. I would, uh, yeah, I will definitely send you a video of how to protect your knee. That's so funny. No, I'm I doing will. it. I'm doing it with our cousin uh, Brand's husband, Landon. So me and Landon. Oh, Landon. Yeah. And I'm trying to convince my wife, Lindsay, to do it because she's training for her first half marathon. And I was like, if you can do this, you're t- you're gonna easily be able to do the half marathon. Yeah, if you could drink beer and keep running for hours, that's definitely like, that's a good barometer, yes, you know, exactly. how much, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I yeah. guess when you're dealing with certain patients, like, especially patients who are athletes, because I'm trying to think of people who are listening to the podcast. Um, right. The hardest thing as an athlete is being told to rest and. Yeah. I mean, so how do you go about that conversation? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, and even having that conversation with myself is it's <laughs> always, you know, I think that is one of the most difficult things to do when people are training for a particular race or even just if they're just sort of training to get back in shape. I think rest is one of those things that it's hard for people to gauge how much they need unless they're really seasoned, you know, elite professional athletes. Um I think so because running is such a high risk for injury and, you know, let me just sort of go back. So a lot of people will say like, you know, any blanket terms where people say like, oh, running just causes injury or, you know, it's bad to run with an injury or any of those blanket statements. I never subscribe to that because I always am all about individualizing things. So I do believe there are certain injuries that you can keep running with, but you have to manage it. You know, and you have to, you know, because I think you're talking about rest for like if you have an injury, right? I believe that was sort of your question. Um, But then there are certain injuries where it's like, okay, you need, depends on the tissue that is implicated in the injury. So there's, you know, so many different injuries you can have and some of them are not running incurred or, you know, but some of them will limit the running and get worse with running. So I think, like, let me give you a couple examples. So let's say somebody is training for a marathon and, you know, they have six months to train and they're three months in and their IT band starts bothering them. Then that's, I would classify that as acute tendonitis. I mean, that's super common, right? That's a very common example to make. So that being acute tendonitis is something in my mind as a physical therapist, it's like, okay, it's a friction injury. You're basically, it's too much friction where the IT band is basically, it's a tendon, right? Uh Outside your knee usually is where it bothers you. So you've got to think about, you know, obviously running is causing the friction, but what are the ways we can minimize that? So in that case of acute tendonitis coming on during a training program, I would, my recommendation would be take three weeks off, take two to three weeks off of running because that's the primary activity causing that. And let's really be proactive about managing that, decreasing the inflammation, decreasing the friction to the area, and then ease back into running, get your mileage back up, you know, assuming you have, you know, if you had another three months to train for a marathon, that's plenty of time to get your, get back in and get the miles up. Um, and you could probably accelerate that volume, you know, a little bit more, you wouldn't have to start from zero. You could yeah. you know, accelerate back up. So, that in that case, I would say that would be my recommendation: two to three weeks of rest if you really want to nip this injury in the butt, and then and then really be proactive about managing it moving forward into your training program. So that becomes part of your training program, essentially. Like, okay, you're foam rolling, you know, you're icing, yeah. you're taping it, you can kinesio tape, all that stuff. And a lot of IT band tendonitis comes from 
um, hip insta not instability, but imbalance in hip musculature. So then addressing that, which, which side is deficient and muscle strength. Okay. Yeah. What's, uh, so as you're resting, are you, you're, you're not like just sitting on your butt in front of the couch, right? Like you're actively, you're staying active. Uh, like yeah. you could bike and things like that. Right. Is that what you're kind of talking swimming, about? Yeah. Swimming, biking, take, so to me, I refer to running. There's the, the ground reaction force is like you're running and the earth is pushing back on you. Anytime you, you have that, like, let's say you're running down a hill, which is one of the precipitating factors for IT band tendonitis, because that deceleration motion contributes to more friction of the okay. IT. Band. So uh, that I would say, you know, no running downhill on hard pavement. You take that away. You could run, do the elliptical where you're oh, just yeah. still going through the motions. So you're getting that neuromuscular sort of movement in the body but you're taking away where the earth is pushing back on you and you're taking away a lot of that deceleration force in the leg. Um, yeah. I mean, you're still doing a little bit of that movement in the IT band. It would probably depend on how severe that tendonitis was, but I think you could still be doing the elliptical or, or Stairmaster, those kind of things. Okay, yeah. cool. What's the, you mentioned the tape stuff and I've seen that on athletes and I, haven't really understood it. So when you okay. you said kin, I can't, I don't even know. I don't yeah, know what it's called. Kinesia tape, yeah, <laughs> yes. kinesia tape. So yeah. it has elastic properties um, and good question because I feel like everybody's sort of familiar with it now. Like we've all seen it on Olympic athletes. Like you yes. see people wearing it all the time, and there there are many different um, indications for it and just approaches to applying it, and you know for different injuries. So it has an elastic quality, so it can you know depending on how taut you pull the tape, you can get sort of a lift or a pull or a little bit of support if you need support. Or you can place it in, um, like, for instance, for tendonitis, uh, one technique that's commonly used is called the, the Y or inhibitory technique where you're, the tape will pull towards its anchor. So you place the tape on the body where it's pulling towards its anchor in a Y shape, and you place it in the, where it pulls in the opposite direction of the muscle. Okay. So that, the, the philosophy there is that it minimizes inflammation because the muscle's not pulling as much in the direction that created tendonitis, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. are athletes wearing this while training and while doing the events and everything like that? Yeah. Or, okay. I didn't know if there was something like that or yeah. something recovery wise. I think I've used it for recovery and I may be a little bit different there, but I've actually slept with it on where I feel like it actually, cause it, cause it actually, if you place it, enough, you know, right over the skin, it sort of has like that upward lifting motion. So I think it actually has a little bit of allows more circulation and flushing too. And actually like way back when before, I mean, I think kinesio tapes really taken off in the last, like I'd say 10, I mean, it's been around for about 20 plus years, but it's more commonly used now in the last like decade or 15 years. I, because when I went to do this, started doing stage races in the Sahara yeah. Death, I knew, okay, ice is going to be kind of hard to track down, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> After the stages, and I'm going to have a lot of inflammation in my quads. And I actually think I, I mean, I've definitely dealt with my own injuries, having to manage them or kind of keep them at bay for these races too. So, and I had IT band tendonitis, you know, multiple times. But, um, so I took kinesio tape as a way to sort of like flush some inflammation during that race. I think, I really think it helped, even oh, cool. anecdotally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what, uh, what would be some, like, what are the most common running injuries, uh, that you see? Most common. Okay. And I, I have done podcasts on this too. Oh, you have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, what, what's the so podcast you're on, uh, every so often? Um, the running lifestyle podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She's really right. good. Yeah. It's a great community of runners. She's had Dean Carnazzi's on there oh, nice. at least two or three or four times. Yeah. Um, and just a lot of different, a lot of professionals, different disciplines. And, and you're kind of the like, you're kind physical of therapy. the yeah. stage race. Yeah. Physical you're the therapy. stage race expert and physical therapist expert. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And injury, injury prevention. So we, um, so on that one we talked and I would, you know, same thing present similar. I think it's IT band tendonitis, okay. plantar fasciitis, and then what's called runner's knee, which okay. is. Runner's knee is really like a blanket term for it's patellofemoral. So where your kneecap 
is it glides along the femur. That's an actual joint. Okay. And so you can get different problems with that. You can get tracking issues. You can get, you know, it could just get sore from overuse. Yeah. Where the patellar tendon is. So those are the three most common running, running injuries that I've encountered. Okay. Yeah. Do you find the, uh, would say, sorry, I would say what rivals that is Achilles tendonitis. I've had that. So out of all those, that's the one I've had. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that. So kind of along with plantar fasciitis. Yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. And I think more in males. I've I've just noticed a more, like when I go to my track, it seems like when I talk to more of the men seem to have Achilles tendonitis issues than women. Hmm. Women, women have more IT band runner's knee, I would say more commonly. And I think it has to do with just the bone structure and hip yeah. strength and imbalances Yeah, at the hip. Okay. So. That's what I was going to ask. Cause I got to imagine I've never had it band problems at all, except for yeah. when I foam roll, that makes me want to cry. Like the it band <laughs> for whatever reason, it's like, no, it's like the so you're spot prevent an injury but you're like i'm actually hurting myself <laughs> doing this so this feels like an injury to but be, i don't I, yes to be fair though like after i do it consistently for like three or four days um yeah i don't even feel the it band anymore like that one doesn't bother me which is super yeah, weird but, but well, i think so you do a lot of core i mean you've always been you know into weightlifting and from you know you know how to lift weights and with proper form and i think you probably are going have gone into your ultra running you know, um, with a lot more core strength, I think, than some people have. Yeah, okay. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, so plantar fasciitis, that's something I hear about all the time, but I'm not super familiar with. So can you kind of explain that? So the plantar fascia is basically like a, fi- it's a fibrous tissue that runs from basically your heel towards your toes. Okay. And it basically supports um, the arches of your foot. So it basically can have sort of micro tears or it can get just stress on that tissue that from inflammation, again, it's overuse and inflammation. So usually what happens, um, especially with ultra runners, it, it starts to get some friction or some tears closer to the heel. So I think, you know, people will start to notice they'll wake up in the morning, um, and they'll feel intense, like almost like a knife pushing into the their heel to their calcaneus. So uh, it's basically precipitating factors can be, but obviously overuse is one thing. But I don't always like to buy into overuse because a lot of people can run a lot of miles and not have any injuries. It's really figuring out the different factors. So foot structure, if you tend to have high arches and you're pronating a lot, you're really kind of it's just straight stressing the bottom of the foot and the art, you know, the arch is working hard to get to the ground that can create some plantar tight, um, calf muscles. And there's the soleus muscle that's underneath the calf. So tight ankle muscles can cause more friction there. It's basically friction, you know? Yep. Okay. What about, so Achilles tendonitis, what, is, I, I, I mean, I think for me is because I was running up hills all the time. Like I was always going uphill and landing on my toes or more towards the front of my foot. Um, but uh, is that is that do you think that's pretty accurate or what what causes that generally? Right. Because what you had, a how long did you have the tendonitis issues from? Remember that was like maybe a year or so ago. You know, it's it's been off and on. Like I said, I think it's because I've been running uphill or I generally have been running on hilly areas um yeah so it's been quite a while and it makes me wonder if i'm having more issues on the right side of my body like my legs my right leg because i've just been running on the achilles tendonitis and maybe like overcompensating or something right and the right yeah well i mean tendonitis essentially again it's friction and it, i mean with achilles tendonitis so there are two main types um, out there. There's insertional, where the tendon actually, so the tendon, you know, is where the, the tendon is the tissue that attaches muscle to bone. So if you feel it lower down, like towards the bone, the heel bone, then that's the insertional kind. Okay. Um, and that tends to be more acute. And the more non-acute kind is more non-insertional, which can be, I think, even 8 to 10 centimeters up from that. Um, 
It sounds like yours was fairly acute and you got the inflammation down. Yeah. Yeah. And then just said, yeah. So precipitating factors again, you know, it's always important to think about, okay, what could have led to more friction in the area and the tissue and, um, and this injury, which is what tendonitis is essentially like a friction injury and inflammation and mechanical friction is the way I like to think about it. So things that can cause that for is your calf, the, which is the bulky big muscle, you know, up under your knee, you see, and runners have nice big bulky muscles. Well, you have other ankle muscles underneath there that actually do a lot of control, ankle control when you're running. And a muscle that is super important for ankle control and propulsion, especially running uphill and, and downhill, either, you know, pushing off and into the spring action or decelerating when you're going downhill. Um, is called the soleus muscle, and you spell that. I like it because it's like soul. It's got soul. It's you got know, soul. you really need this. The soleus, <laughs> you really need it working for you. It's got to have good soul to be controlling your ankle and sort of minimizing the risk of injury there. So the soleus lies underneath the calf. The major gastrocnemius is the main calf muscle with okay. the two heads that people think about. So the soleus is lower down, closer to the ankle, and it actually is active when your knee is flexed. So when you okay. think about it, when your knee is bent, when you hit the ground and you're running and you're moving over your leg, your knee's bent, right? Yeah. And so that muscle is super important when you're hitting the ground and moving forward with heel, foot strike, whatever foot strike pattern you use. So keeping that muscle strong and loose is also very important. So tightness, Achilles tendonitis, I think happens, um, from a, it can it has been correlated even with studies I've seen recently come out and I was so happy because I was like so confirmed in my conviction <laughs> about this. <laughs> um, yeah, the weakness of that muscle precipitates Achilles tendonitis. I mean, it's many factors. So overuse running, running on terrain. If you're doing a lot of uphill running, really pushing into that shortening action. Okay. Um, you're really then the tendons getting overused where it's the tendon meets the bone, and yeah, so weakness and tightness. Tightness okay. and weakness are basically the two main things. So also you want to think about shoe wear, proper shoe wear, good stretches, and there's something called eccentric strengthening, which is um, when you're strengthening a muscle eccentrically, it means that you are strengthening the muscle while it's lengthening. And that is a really good way to minimize the risk of injury for Achilles tendonitis. Okay. And it's part of... Um, sort of, they call it sort of like a loading muscle strengthening program back progressive loading of the tendon. When you, once you've addressed the tendonitis and gotten the friction down, you want to strengthen back into that loading program. Um, and it, and so like standing on the edge of an eccentric strengthening example for, um, the gastroc, the whole, the calf muscle, most people refer to as the calf is like standing on the edge of a stair and doing a heel lift uh -huh. and then slowly lowering and your heels drop below the stair. So the so heel like actually yeah. goes underneath where down. the stair yeah. Okay, cool. So you're doing that, a slow lowering action. The, the muscle is lengthening. If you can sort of visualize that in your head, yeah. the muscle's getting longer, but you're, it's working. It's working as you're strengthening it. That's eccentric strengthening. Okay. Uh, and then for the soleus, it's kind of similar, but I'd have to send you a picture for that. You also want to do, you could do some eccentric strengthening for that muscle too. Okay, yep. cool. So yep. do you have like a morning routine when you wake up uh, to get your body, like, I guess, do you work out in the morning or do you work out later in the day? You know, it totally depends on what I'm training for and my work schedule, but I prefer to try to get stuff in in the morning, to Me be too. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just feel like, you know, you wake up tight for sure, but I typically like, I have a different morning routine every morning because right now I'm training for an Ironman. So yes. like sometimes I'm in the pool, sometimes on the bike, sometimes I'm running. It just depends. Okay. Um, but, you know, in terms of, yeah, morning routine for, are you talking about like exercises? Just, yeah, things? just something to warm up the body. This is kind of, I don't know. I, I, I started doing Tai Chi in the morning. <laughs> Like, awesome. Slow, yeah. Like, you know, because <laughs> uh, my friend Travis, uh, which if if you haven't listened to that episode with Travis where he describes his morning routine, it's insanity. Like I just asked him that question, like, what's your morning routine? He talked about yeah. a morning routine for like 40 
freaking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he texted me. He's like, yeah, Dude. he just blew me out of the water. I'm like, well, it's different. It depends. That was my qu- that was my answer to words. It depends. <laughs> hey, you man, know? you got both ends of the spectrum there. Yeah. But uh, so he texted me. He's like, you should do Tai Chi. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. But he does it for meditation. But for me, I'm like, honestly, I just do it for like seven minutes just to like. Right. You know, I know I'm missing the point because it's supposed to be meditation, but like just to like move the body to start before yeah. you know, instead of going do, straight I, to a workout. I will say definitely. Okay. So just to answer that more concisely before I hop on the bike for a workout or before I run, I, my yoga mat is like pretty much permanent, permanently glued to my like floor in my okay. office. Like I never like, <laughs> so like it's down there. Like I have kind of a 10 minute yoga stretching routine that I do before okay. I head out, which is, you know, to definitely get, and the calves are always tight. So I definitely have a, yeah, I mean, just a simplified, like upward, downward dog, warrior pose, walking out the calves, stretching out the hip muscles, you know, the pigeon pose. Those are kind of my main ones. And then I have my deep flexor, hip flexor stretch that I do. Yeah. Yeah, Cool. So you got something to kind of warm up. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of like, yeah, I try to do more gentle stretching, when I first wake up, because you're usually just a little tighter. Yeah. And then is the first mile or the first 10 minutes on the bike, are you doing it pretty easy? Like, I mean, I don't know. You're not like busting ass like right out like (laughs) five minutes after you wake up. Right. Like if I were at the track and I were going to go try to do some intervals or something, I mean, I try to get there. Ideally, I want to get there and do like a half mile warm up and then maybe some drills and stretching after warming up. Okay. You know? Okay. Cool. And then go into an intense workout. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, hey, you're off the clock for physical therapy right now. So thank you. <laughs> hey, no problem. <laughs> and I want to hear, I, kind of, I definitely want to hear about your current stage race and training for an Ironman. And uh, yeah, because you texted me this weekend. It was funny. You texted somebody but oh, you, yeah. you were texting someone else but you texted me <laughs> right. and then you're like sorry yeah. i'm on a hundred mile bike ride around lake tahoe i'm like of course she is of course that's yeah, what I she's know. doing right now I, yeah i think my text is like where are you i'm at the gas station <laughs> i'm like i'm in colorado <laughs> what gas station <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so the stage rate well so finished the baja stage race a month ago which was awesome it was so great to go and just run and be with running friends from a lot of European friends and just a, a couple of American friends. Um, and just to run the race. I mean, this is a race I've worked as a physical therapist. So like when I work the stage races, I'm sweeping the race and then I'm there supporting the athletes doing physical therapy. But this time I said, I really just want to, I want to experience Enjoy it, the yeah. full race as a runner. Um, and it was, it was just so awesome. I sort of just remembered why I love doing that because you really, um, just get into the race in such a different way. I mean, yeah, it was a small race. This one was, you know, it's small in terms of numbers of runners, but fast and okay. tough runners. I and mean, the top woman, Rachel, she's a former professional runner, really fast, really strong. And then, um, the other woman, the woman who came in second ahead of me because I came in third as an ultra runner from Italy, Sabina. Okay. She's very strong. She's done, I mean, her list of races is so long. Marathon de Sabla. She's oh done, gosh. you know, she's done um, UTMB. She's yeah. done a lot of really hefty ultra running. So she knows, you know, she's, she knows what she's doing out yeah. there. Um, and th- so this was structured similarly, um, in terms of five stages, it was a hundred K and every, each distance was actually, they had two 10 Ks, two half marathons and one really long stage. So it was pretty, actually the distance, there were some similar distances and they ran this race in reverse, um, from the previous year because there was a car race going on or something or. There was some other major race going down when we were down near La Paz and Loreto and Baja. So it turned out that we actually did, I mean, you kind of have to roll with the punches when you do an adventure race anyway, destination yeah. race. You do, the, you do the mileage, you do the training, you're ready to run and race. And then you go down there and things can kind of shift on you. <laughs> so we, the first two stages were, it was 10K, 10K. Okay. Half marathon. 
and then nearly, I think, 32K, which is around 20 miles, and then a half marathon. That's That was the progression of the week. So that was tough. Yeah, because um, you're starting off with the the like i guess i would want to start off with the biggest distance towards the beginning right yeah yeah i mean you can think of it either way like you're thinking you want to you want to go out and start pretty strong and so 10k is short for an ultra runner and that's like a sprint almost yeah but um you know it was difficult because the first stage was a lot of climbing so both sand and climbing rocky terrain so that burned your legs and then the second stage was like pure sand dune. So those first two stages, you're already like really getting your legs pretty tired for all of the longer distance running. So that was really interesting. I mean, it definitely was just wondering how that was going to be uh, in terms of the legs being tired. <laughs> but, um, but actually, it turned out okay. The long, the longest leg I did. I think I kind of dug back from my past and remembered like okay break it down mentally. You make sure your nutrition is good. And one thing I've really learned about running in the heat, and I had to kind of relearn it this race because it had been a while, is just you you really have to just try not to burn yourself. Don't go too hard in the beginning because if you overheat, then your stomach kind of shuts down and your body's shutting down. But if you ease in to the longer distances, at least for my body, um, then I can sustain that for a longer time because you sort of get in. Because what happens in the heat if you overheat, and I've made this mistake both in triathlon and in ultra running, is that your spike, you sort of like, it's like overheating a car. Yeah. You're still putting nutrition in and fuel in and you're trying to keep moving, but it, it doesn't, it's still like the, the, you know, the machine is just not. It's not surprising. absorbing the nutrition like almost. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. And that in the heat. How hot so, was it down there? It was like mid nineties to hundred. Okay. Pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty hot. So that was, and the other thing was the stage race is self-supported. So you're, you don't really have people handing out sponges and ice along the way. You I was going to ask really you about that. For your own ability to not overheat. You okay. Know? Are all the ones you do self-supported or is that just this individual event? Just, um, just this, not oh, all of the stage races I've done. Yeah. Uh, all the all of them had been, well okay so not self-supported I use that really not um, like marathon de sable self-supported right and I should really make that is because this is not considered a self-supported stage race because really a self-supported stage race is where you're carrying all your own gear and all your own food okay but this is just supported in the sense that there's like one aid station for a half gotcha. marathon yeah gotcha. you know and two for the long stage so that's pretty. You know, if you go run out of nutrition, you've yeah. got some miles to go and you're overheating. You've yeah. got to, you know, got a long way to go even still. So, um, but they do a good job of monitoring you. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. what do you guys do like non-race hours? I mean, you, you mentioned for the Iceland one that, you know, you kind of go do the touristy stuff and like look at the pretty waterfalls and things like that. So what do you do in this one? This one, I'm trying to remember now what I did. I mean, there was a lot of travel actually getting to some of these stages. Oh, okay. uh, but there was some afternoon downtime, definitely. Yeah. And for this one, there was a little bit of touristic excursion pre-race. We went to Hotel California. Nice. Todos de Santos. <laughs> I had no idea that was down there. I should have known that. But it's like, oh, you okay, can this check is in, the you hotel. Yeah. yeah, you, you can, can check, check in, you can't leave. You can never leave. Yeah. So we went there. <laughs> And then we did um, we did sort of like a boating excursion, and oh, which cool. was amazing. I didn't know it was it's a manta ray mating season down there, like in April. I had no idea. <laughs> so like, which is like, you look in the water, and I remember this from living on a big island in Hawaii. You see like a white fin, and you're like, oh my god, it's a shark, and then it's like, oh wait, no, it's a manta. Oh, okay, wow. okay, good. So it was awesome. We we're like we're on this boat heading towards an island just for an afternoon excursion. Um, and they, we were literally like, you look in the water and there were like tons, you know, like just tons of manta rays, like swimming and jumping. And then they started jumping. No that's way. part of their mating. That's part of their mating gig. That's how they show off. So I guess it's the males that are jumping. I'm assuming Yeah. the females are in the water. I don't know what the hell they even see it. They're like, I don't know how that, that whole thing like, works. We don't even know how high you just went. We can't see out of the water. <laughs> no. Dum-dums. But we, but we got a great show. It was amazing. They were jumping all over the place. That's it was crazy. so cool. I have never experienced that. I've seen whales, you know, yeah. breach, but I've seen jumping so mantas. Crazy. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah it was really awesome. 
That's so, so I just cool. did that often. And then um, sea lions, they were, you know, and they, uh, there were some sea lions kind of hanging out near this rocky area and some in the water. And so, of course, Giorgio, our guide, is like, we're getting in. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's going with me? I'm like, oh, I'm going in. You yeah. know, the people slowly trickled in. There was just like a group of six or eight of us. That's so really cool. that was so, really fun. And that's part of it, right? Like, I mean, when you do the stage races, you're experiencing the new area yeah. and, you know, experiencing something you wouldn't be able to to do necessarily where you where you right. live. So. That's awesome. It was amazing. And yeah, oh. that was really cool. Oh, yeah. cool. Awesome. So, so you got back from that and then were you already signed up for the Ironman or? Yes, I did sign up before I went to Baja, like about three or four weeks before. Cause okay. I started saying like, okay, my running there, you know, pretty much. Um, and the bike swimming is always kind of, I've always got that distance. It's like, it's time to revisit this race distance. I'm ready. I'm yeah. Excited about it. Up in Whistler, Canada, which is beautiful up there. I haven't been up there in like 15 years. Um, and so now it's just, I'm really focusing on getting the bike miles yeah. up right now. So, okay. did, uh, yeah. So last weekend in yeah. Tahoe, we did, we did a century ride on Saturday and then like 72 on Sunday. Wow. So I think that's the most miles. That is definitely. I've ever done at Alicia 172 miles, which sound like ultra runners like Dean Carnazzi's or like Jason Schaller would be like, well, I do that on foot, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 No big deal. Or we had uh Candace Burt on the podcast and she's the race director amazing. of the Tahoe 200. So yeah. she's like, you know what? I've, I've right. gone around the whole lake. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so, so amazing. Have you done the Ironman distance before? No, this is going to be my first one. I've attempted it and um, talking about nutrition just now about overheating. I now understand what went wrong for me because I I didn't have enough uh, fuel in okay. the marathon. And I just, my blood pressure had dropped severely. It was like 80 over 50. And so I got pulled from the course. It's, it's just too low to stay. You know, I just didn't have enough in me. So I know what happened now that my body, I have, I think I'm more sensitive to the heat in the sense that like I could overheat really quickly and then things just go, go wrong really quickly. So I have to really stay like a couple notches below that. So now knowing that what went wrong, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's like you can't really put gas in an overheated car and try to run it. You know what I mean? So now I get it. That's what happened with my stomach (laughs) and my nutrition. Okay. So how how far did you get? Where you visit? That was oh, three miles from the finish. Three miles from the finish. Believe that. I, they, and I got pulled by the race, um, whatever the hype, yeah, officials. The medic state, or race whatever. Officials. That's so mm-hmm. crazy. So were you. Because they take your, they have, you know, they go around, they're taking blood pressure and then okay. they take you to the tent. Yeah. And it was hot. It was, it was hot. And I think also um, just a high metabolic demand on the bike that I think. Yeah, so I went into the run with not enough fuel, basically. Okay. Were yep. you trying to like convince them to put you back in the race, or were you relieved? Of yeah, so, you okay. don't. Yeah, it's such a crushing. You know, that's a crushing. Probably the most crushing experience because I've I've can't think of any other race I haven't finished. To yeah. be honest. Okay. Wow. You know, that's a tough one I, not I, to finish. Is an Ironman, you know, because you put yeah. in so many hours to train for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's like unfinished business. Revenge. I've got, yeah, it's going down. Well, so I got to imagine Whistler is not going to get super hot, even if it's in the middle of summer. I think it depends. It'll just depend on the year. I think okay. looking back some years, it was, uh, it's been cold and it can be hot. I think any Ironman, I think distance, you just have to understand that you're going to get to the run and it's likely going to be warm, you know? Yeah. Very likely. How so how fast is how fast is the run for you during the Ironman? How fast? Yeah, I, it just depends on how trained up I am. Okay. On that one, I was probably going like between nine and ten minute miles by that That's time. So awesome. <laughs> I mean, at the beginning, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, that's why I think for, biking is my weak point. I think I I haven't understood. I've always been a runner and a swimmer, and so. 
have a better feel for like the out metabolic demand of that and the output and wanting to eat. Cause I've pretty much most ultra I've on the ultra runs and all the, you know, even 50 mile, I did fine on with the nutritional piece of that. And that's a long time too. You're out there. Yeah. That would be eight and a half hours to do a 50 miler. So that's all you're out there a long time. But I think the bike is a little bit different story. You have to, and you know, you really have to be, they say you can take, you really need to, your muscles need to be ready for the metabolic demand of the course. And so if you're going to go that hard in a course, then you need, your muscles obviously need to be ready for that. Or you're going to start cramping, which I did. And then that's hard to make up with salt and nutrition. So it's, it's a whole another piece. You just have to, so I'm actually now I'm working with a power meter to understand the wattage I should have, I should be putting out on the bike for that many miles and just staying in the proper zone. Yeah, nice. and just so I can get a better feel, because it's something I don't have a good feel for. So I'm learning. Yeah, it's, totally all, got it's like yeah. trial and error for sure. All the like endurance sports is all trial mm-hmm. and error. Like the race I did um, in Monument Valley, which your mom and Uncle Joel came to. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. They they, right. they gave me the the ginger ale save. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> the last 10 miles, like there was no water or anything. Oh, was... that is 10 miles with no water. Were you, had you run out? Well, I didn't, I had run out at like probably with like six miles left. <laughs> and I thought there might've been one more aid station, but there definitely wasn't. Um, yeah. And then that's kind of, that's a long way. It Even was... three miles can feel really long if you're at that point. I exactly. mean, it's just the body, you're really pushing your body to that that point you know well it was the weirdest it was the weirdest feeling because i had zero strength in my legs and like you know i'm used to feeling pretty strong you know just in general and like none of the muscles in my legs had any strength left with the last couple miles like this is the weirdest feeling like ever yeah (laughs) right so yeah i've definitely yeah i'm definitely still trying to figure stuff out for me so yeah, and I think even, you know, people, it's it's a lifelong journey, just even when you talk to pe- seasoned ultra runners, you know, some, some lessons still getting learned yeah. <laughs> in different races. Yeah, have you ever had so, a race where just, like, everything was perfect? And, like, what was the best race you've ever had? trying to think. Um, I've had some really solid ones, like some, I do, so stage racing I do pretty well because I feel like something about my body I can recover overnight and then go back and run hard again. I just do well with that. Probably better than a long, a super long single stage. So probably my bit, probably one of the Sahara races where I placed well. Um, I was still thinking you always gloss over like how much you actually suffered. Right. Like if I really think about it, like, the races where I like competed the best, I, I, there was a lot of suffering going on. Like, you know what I mean? Cause if I, you know what you wanted something you wanted to get to the finish. So you have to kind of push through those moments, but where, you know, it's really, when you get in the zone where, you know, you're, you've gauged well, how, you know, your ability for that race and you're on it, but it still hurts. I think that to me, that's a good race Yeah. because it should, it's not going to come easy. If it is, then why are you, you know, <laughs> that's a good point. There? Yeah. <laughs> it, like a great race, like your best race ever is not, easy yeah, at all that's a, that's great yeah i can't say my best race is like oh that was a breeze like yeah. you know that just doesn't sound right probably with the sahara stage race i came in second behind a italian professional runner and i mean it was yeah i had a solid marathon that stage and like it really picked up a lot of places there and i mean i suffered but i'd say it's like i think for a marathon if you can say like you you ran strong and, and then you really had to dig deep the last like three to six miles then you gauged it pretty well yeah definitely <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean but if yeah. you're digging deep the whole time and you're tired the whole time that's a different story you know like mile one you're like oh no this is not gonna be yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome thanks susan for uh for joining us today um and when's yeah, your when's your iron man that's coming up in two months. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, End of July. Yeah. Thank we'll, you so we'll much. We'll have to catch up again, especially as I get injured more in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take care of yourself. Have yeah. fun running all the trails near oh, Boulder. Totally. I'm so excited for you. Will do. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Ciao. All right, guys. That wraps up this week's episode with Susan. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you learned a lot. And really, I hope you're just kind of inspired to 
either go out and set a goal for yourself this summer, uh, like Susan's one with the Ironman, or, you know, here's how I always think about it. I just constantly need reminders, sometimes like the simplest reminders to stay on the right track. So I guess I'm, I'm kind of flashing back to college where my roommate, Shane, was like, you walked into his room in college and he had a pile of magazines on the floor. <laughs> men's health. <laughs> and anyway, so he had all like, he would have like 50 men's health on the floor laying around. And you know, so I was starting to realize that the food I eat and the exercise I chose to participate in really was gonna have an effect on my body. Because you know, when you're in high school, you can pretty much eat whatever you want. And if you're in a sport in high school, you kind of, the training's taking care of itself because you pretty much have to show up because the coaches are telling you to show up at this time and you have to do all these workouts, blah, 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 blah. But you get to college and if you're not in a sport, which I was in rugby, so that helped, but rugby, you know, we didn't have any organized off-season programs uh, or anything like that. So you're kind of on your own. And so you kind of had to figure out what's the routine that's going to work for you. And the biggest thing is, what's the nutrition that's going to work for you? And you're home, you're away from mom and dad for maybe the first time, uh, most likely the first time, and you're learning how to cook. And I remember like all I ate for the first year was grilled chicken because we had a grill. That was the only thing I supplied to the apartment. Grilled chicken and baked potato. And I remember one day I even had to, I called my mom and I was like, mom, how long, how do you boil an egg? <laughs> I was trying to figure out, how do you boil an egg, mom? And she basically explained, you put it in boiling water for a while. Um, <laughs> so anyways, so you're figuring all this stuff out. So I guess I started, you know, I picked one up from Shane's room and I started flipping through it and I would read a men's health, you know, every so often and stuff. And, you know, after about five times of reading the magazine, you realize like every single magazine is exactly the same. All the advice is the same. It's telling you the same stuff. You know, the workouts that they're telling you to do aren't anything crazy. Uh, you know, so you if you look through three of them right now, if you put three out in front of you, you're going to find basically the same stuff in the in the magazine. Just the same information repeated each month. And so... I knew that logically I knew I was like, oh, this is just the same crap every single time. <laughs> I knew it logically, but I kept making sure each week I would read a new one just because it was kind of a fresh reminder to do good, to be healthy and, you know, strive for being healthy versus what you want to do, especially when you're in college which is just throw a frozen Jack's pizza in the oven for every single meal. And so I guess I'm hoping this podcast, if it's, if it's not inspiring you to set a goal, I'm hoping it's kind of like refreshing you every week to continue on the right path towards your goal. So if you are, if you're like, Hey man, I signed up for a marathon. Let's talk about my friend, Jason. So for Jason, he signed up for a 50K in September or October or something. I think it's October. And that's a ways away. But I'm kind of hoping... I mean, man, that's a long time. That's a long time away. You know, you got all summer. And then you even got August, uh, <laughs> September. This is where I just named months. You just have August, September, and like the beginning of October to get to your goal. So like we're sitting here in June... And it's really hard probably to get motivated to step out the door and put in the miles that you probably need to put in to make that base so you can start building up to a 50K, right? And so I'm kind of hoping this podcast is just a reminder like, hey, you do have a goal. Even though the goal might be like way out of reach still, you can make the choice every single day to do the little actions the little positive actions that will eventually get you to that goal. So maybe for Jason, that's going out and running like two miles 
or taking his giant, giant dog for a walk up the hilly, crazy hills of Danville, Virginia, <laughs> right? So you can, I'm hoping this is just kind of like a refresher, man, because I need refreshers. I need refreshers like, you know, all the time. I need refreshers like once every few weeks to make sure I'm staying motivated and staying on the path that will lead me to my success. So I'm hoping that's what this podcast is doing for you guys out there listening right now. And I don't care what your goal is. If your goal is like to quilt, like quilt up like a, like a badass giant blanket, I'm hoping this is a refresher that <laughs> today you should put in just a tiny amount of work on that big fluffy blanket. All right. Uh, that's probably going to wrap up this week. We'll get back at you next time. And yeah, guys, uh, you can check out the rest of our episodes at like a Bigfoot or find us on all the social media stuff. All right. We'll get back at you next week.